Hello and welcome to What Memory, the podcast for survivors of stroke and brain injury. I'm Stephen Masters and I'm here with Josh Reed. We've both had strokes. We want to share our experiences, find out how other people live with brain injury and investigate what's new in brain injury research. This is episode 16, Little Wins. The sound quality on this episode is variable for reasons too boring to explain. Our body is made up of two halves. Each half is controlled by the opposite half of our brain. Usually, we rarely think about this extraordinary biology, but after a stroke, it dominates our every waking moment. And we start with the moment Josh woke up from his coma. It didn't take me long to realise that I wasn't using anything but my left arm. And so I was like, oh, I must be in one of those sleep paralysis states. So it must just be like, oh, I'm super, super tired. I've been on lots of drugs. I've just recovered from a transplant. So it must just be that. Um, And suddenly I was like, oh, suddenly it will just snap and then I'll be back to myself. Yeah, yeah. but it was a shock when that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> so in hospital, both Stephen and I were told we would have six months to recover and that would be it. You know, for me, it was like I was looking because I heard this myself. And, you know, I'd, uh, I was in hospital hospital still for like the first sort of like three months and i was like oh my god i'm wasting time not recovering yes and only got three months to go yeah oh exactly. yes i know you know that it was for me it was even more worrying it was like oh my god oh my god and then they were like two years and then it was like oh for the rest of your life um you know but like the first six months is like the rapid explosion of uh improvements uh up to two years is kind of like okay solid good progress and then after two years it's kind of like um it just happens when it happens and you know you've just gotta see where it goes but i think that was such a relief to sort of know that I didn't go into that coma state at all. I was always aware that I'd had a stroke. I've been told I'd had a stroke. Well, I hadn't realised that a stroke, actually, if you have a stroke on the left side of your brain, the whole of your right side of your body stops working. So everything stopped working. My leg, my arm, my guts, everything just stopped. And this came as a bit of a shock, really, that, that it has <laughs> such an effect The brain operates absolutely everything. And as soon as the brain stops working, everything stops. You can't lift your arm, you can't move your hand, you can't move your leg. And that that was a a kind of crazy idea that the whole thing rested on my brain being able to operate every single muscle in my body, which I've been doing for years and years and years, but I hadn't really sort of realised it. So that came as a very severe shock. And I just thought, is this ever going to stop? Is this partial paralysis, literally half of my body not working? Am I ever going to recover from this? Or am I going to take, you know, is it going to take so long that I'll be dead by the time I ever get any of this back? 
I, I mean, yes, it's, it's very weird to think, okay, so the late, that's the thing. It's like, I think that when I was in school at some point, they were like, oh, the left part of the brain controls the right side of the body. The right side of the brain controls the left side body. And I was like, oh, okay, I sort of understand that in the, con- in the concept. Um, but to see it in almost practice, to see being like, oh, you've been, it's mainly affected. I and mean, it's obviously the back of your head, but it's also like mainly the left side. Um, and that made that tracked with me not being able to <laughs> yes. use the right side of my body. Um, but I was kind of like, there's, there's knowing something in practice and knowing something in practice itself. Yes, it's like God suddenly said, uh, well, this is how it works. When you're at school, you're told it's left and right. And then, and then so just to prove how this works, I'm going to switch off your entire right side of your body just so you can, as a demonstration. Yes, that, that, yeah. it did feel a bit like that, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's, and also, like, as you say, like it's all the, like, how much, well, all of the body is affected by the brain. Like, so I was like, oh, okay, well, obviously, maybe muscles are just muscles and they work, whatever. Yes. Whatever. But it was like the signals, okay, maybe the muscles were fine, but it was like the signals that were like moving the muscles and telling you to move uh, your arms and stuff like that were were shot, were like not working. And so the muscles could be fine to begin with, but then... They couldn't do anything. So, yeah, it's, it's weird to think about. But, you know, it's, again, I guess the positive side is that, okay, no, it actually is a thing. Like, I've proven it <laughs> yes. myself. Yes, I, I, I kind of thought it was a bit odd that yeah, I had a lot of trouble with my, my foot. I couldn't move it at all. And I kept thinking, yeah. if I've had a problem with my brain through the straight... Why is this affecting my foot so badly? And I, to, to realise that, that that actually my entire foot only operates if my brain decides it's going to operate. Yeah. I, I, I thought this it must be able to operate independently of my brain. Surely yeah. this is, the rest of my body must be must be able to do this. Apparently it doesn't. No. Your brain controls no. every tiny little muscle in your body. Um, yeah. On a on a second by nanosecond basis, and that is, um, yeah. yeah it's, so, so when it decides it's not going to do that, that is a kind of a, a domino effect right the way down one yeah. side of your body. Well, that's the thing. It's like so at the moment, like you know, I use my right hand, the one that had the stroke, to hold a drink or to do stuff. But if I'm wanting to do something quickly or automatically, I use my left hand for everything. Yes. Um, and, but it's only if I go like, okay, I'm having a meal and I'm having a glass of water. I'm going to force myself to use my right hand. And this is still the case. I have to think about it. I'm like, right. Okay. It feels a bit weird to use my right hand. It doesn't feel natural at all. It, there's, like, it feels like, oh, okay, well, I'm concentrating a hundred and 50% on that bar <laughs> yes. to hold that glass of water. Um, so yeah. It's so complicated, but with my left hand, I'm just like, oh, I'll just have a drink and then I'll just chat. But like, and I was like, oh my God, I can't do that with my right hand, my right It's arm. the complexity, That's... isn't it? It's, it's having to go through every tiny little, little movement and have to think about yeah. that movement. I found that very yeah. frustrating because I suddenly realised how many muscles it is. To pick up a glass takes, you know, hundreds of muscles. 
I think the fear as well that none of this would ever come back. I, yeah. I got very panicky and I did a kind of assessment of myself in hospital mm. thinking, well, um, I can probably live without my leg. I can probably get by in life with my leg staying like this forever, but I can't yeah. live with the hand-eye-brain coordination that I had uh, before, which yeah. because I was an artist, I used to draw all the time. And I, and yeah. I had an ultra-developed sense of hand-eye-brain coordination. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So to lose all of that, I thought, no, I can't, I can't live without and that. I've got to get that back somehow. I mean, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't got it back completely yet, but I'm right. trying very hard. But I was prepared to, to forego that. It was almost like a deal um, yeah. where I thought, if I can get my arm back and my hand, I'll forego the leg. I'm happy with that, you know, as, as if I could kind of bargain my way out of this, oh, yeah. you know. Oh, well, boy, oh, boy. Like, you know, it's like I look at some of the drawings that I did, which I have up in my house and stuff like that, which I did before the stroke. And I'm like, that, like these, those are almost photographic in nature. Like they're so sort of like clean and small yes. little details and stuff like that. And I'm like, I, I could barely do a circle now it'll probably look like a scraggly little line with like a <laughs> bit of a curl like and, and unfortunately like that hasn't changed because one because of my eyesight i've had to wait to get my eyesight back to actually be able to sort of look at what i've drawn and also um how bad my uh right side was affected i basically could not use it at all for months um and when it started to move um there was like there's like a video of me like the first time sort of like lifting my right arm um in hospital, like me lifting my right arm being like oh i've got to about halfway and i'm knackered now then i fall asleep <laughs> um because it took so much energy and brain energy and like stuff like that that i just couldn't physically i i was just out. I was just out of it after I did that. I was that, like, I've done something. I've that something. is the, now I'm like yeah. wrestling. <laughs> I remember thinking I'm actually quite physically fit, and my my muscle yeah. mass hasn't disappeared. Um, it's not like it's wasting away. So why, yeah. if I've got the physical muscle to be able to do this, why won't it do it? Yeah. And that that was the the, the realisation that the brain operates everything was the thing that really got to me. I thought, well, how can yeah. I possibly not be able to do physical things just because my brain doesn't <laughs> can't do it? I mean, uh, but then yeah. I suppose that's when you find out, don't you, really? I could use my left leg and also partially my right leg, even though it was weak, I could use it. But then because... Um, so my stepdad and people around me were focusing on my right leg working and my left leg was absolutely fine. Um, my left leg wasted away because I didn't use it. Um, and I, cause I was in bed, I was sort of in and out of sort of like, uh, morphine dosing, high dosing and stuff like that. So I was in and out of sort of like consciousness. Yes. Um, and so I didn't I never use my legs. Um, and so because they were so focused on my, my right leg work once again, they kind of was like, Oh, they just left my left leg because it was working fine to begin with. And so my left leg, started wasting away and 
it was actually the worst leg out of the two after <laughs> yes. a couple of months. So it was kind of just insane to think about that, okay, even though things work, if you don't think about them, they don't, you don't use them, they do waste away. And that, you know, I was very thin once I, when I was getting my transplant. So yeah, so that obviously did not help, but still. So when you woke up, and you're, you realised that you've got somebody else's lungs inside you because of the lung transplant. But were the lungs affected by the stroke? Or did no, they, they, did they just con- somebody else's lungs operating inside you quite just happily? I, for the first six months, I didn't really think about my lung transplant. I thought I just had a stroke. I didn't really have the ability to think, oh, I've got someone else's lungs in me. The whole reason I went in the operation in the first place was to get these new lungs. Yes. But they became, until, until um, I probably sneezed, probably like four months in, I didn't even think about them because it hurt so much. Yes. Uh, the sneezing, it hurt so much. And I was like, God, why is this hurting? And I was like, Oh, yeah, there, there was something about an operation. <laughs> and, and I was just like, I was completely unaware because I, my whole life had been consumed by the stroke, all-consuming, and yes. everything else became secondary because the, pro- the thing was, the lungs worked. They worked really well. They were like, they were doing their job. So it was like, Basically, I could think of, I could not think of them because yes. for the longest time I've been thinking like, okay, I feel bad. I need, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. But when they work, instantly your body's like, okay, well, let's focus on other stuff, which is far more important. Yes. Um, because yeah, and and so the first sort of like while, like four or five months, I didn't even think about my lungs. And even now, it's like, okay, I think about them every six months. Cause they're like, oh, how, how are your lungs doing? I was like, oh, God, yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't have a lung transplant. That's probably important. And, and yeah. especially now, especially now, because I see my transplant uh, people, the doctors yes. and stuff like that, every sort of six months or so, which is the longest time that I've had to, my whole life, had to be be away from doctors. It kind of like, until the six months comes around, I'm like, oh God, yeah, no, I've got that to deal with. <laughs> it's because all of my energy and all of my focus is on getting better from my stroke. Yeah. I remember thinking at the time when I woke up that I, for the first time in my life, I could feel my brain. The right side of my brain was like, I suddenly realised I could actually feel it inside my skull. And this was a really yeah. frightening prospect. Mm. And I, yeah, because I, it was all sort of buzzing and fizzing and I could feel it. Kind of, uh, it felt like it was kind of decaying inside my yeah. own, inside my skull. And being aware of my half a brain was, was yeah. a terrifying thought. And mm. It was a bit like a, a, a walnut. You know when you break open a walnut and you get half a walnut and half of, the, half of your half walnut is fine and the other half has yeah. got a bit mouldy. And, yeah. <laughs> and it was a bit like I could feel my brain kind of disintegrating. And, and I thought, oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah. 
So as well as my body not working anymore on the right side, my whole right side of my brain is basically falling apart as well. And I thought, well, I hope I can rescue this. Is is there anything I can do? But, you know, there's nothing you can do. But but that lack of ability to do anything about it yourself, because at least you could try and move your arms but there's nothing else or your legs but you couldn't you couldn't do anything in your brain so it was just by itself yeah. inside your skull i find that really frightening <laughs> see i never i never really could feel my brain off never was really aware of it that much but i went through a phase where i was just thinking about like, oh i wonder how many people have died from strokes in the past who didn't even know that it was a stroke who, who thought oh okay well you know in like a hundred years ago we're like oh i'm my mouth is drooping i like i lost the use of my right side and they were like oh they've just been passed away and i'm like oh my god i'm it's almost like i'm so lucky that i'm alive like in this yes. century in this time and i was like oh my god that would have been so scary to not even know like at least i knew or someone could be like okay well this is this this is what's happened this is had people to look after you i was like that was the biggest thing for me was being like oh god what if this happened if i'd been like 50 years ago and there wasn't half as many like things known about strokes now as there is now like oh would i've just been left for dead uh, as in like oh yeah yeah he's a vegetable yeah yes, um, yeah yeah let's forget it and so that was like for me that was like it was like almost a positive i guess it was like okay i i could think about how it would have been to be a hundred years ago 200 years ago <laughs> um if i was in this situation um uh compared to now <laughs> It's a strange thing that probably a hundred years ago in the same situation, I would either have died or ended up as a complete Ooh. vegetable. In fact, if you go yeah. back to the middle ages, when they talk about the, you know, the village idiot and all of that, all of that yeah. kind of thing, maybe they weren't, maybe they weren't idiots yeah. at all. Maybe they just had a massive stroke, but you know, and they wandered exactly. around in a daze for the rest of their life. And everybody said, Oh yeah. yeah. old Tom down there. He's a bit strange in the head, but <laughs> without actually realizing that he had, you know, cause they didn't know the words for it then. Did they really? Exactly. Exactly. When I first went in, they didn't know I'd had a stroke. But yeah. obviously I had a lot of the, the problems that you that you have with a stroke, which is the the right side of my body was going. And yeah. I kept on falling over. I was black and blue down my right side. In fact, my, my family were very worried because they come to me, why does he keep falling over like this? And, and I said, well, we yeah. don't really know. you know. He's, and then they, they finally realised, and they said, well, we've got to stop him moving around. But that physical side of it, meant that I couldn't actually get from my bed to the other side of the um, of the ward without sort of just... Cr- my mind wasn't telling me that I couldn't do it. It was saying, oh, I can just get up and walk. Big mistake. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, oh, God, yeah. Like, the number of times that, you know, when I s- started to get better, so I was moved from, like, the critical care ward to sort of like a more, uh, like, a single ward room... Uh, with the toilet ward um, and I would just be like oh I'm just going to the loo and then I'd literally like not fall but like go like try and snatch the wall or something like that or yeah, something yeah. Just be like my god this is this is not good and then I would sort of get the handle and I'd go in and then I'd have to be like okay well I can't stand up and pee I need to sit down and so I would sit down and be like okay that's good and then I was like 
ah, oh, but now I need to try and get up. And luckily there were sort of like handles and stuff like that. But it was just like I hadn't ever had to use them before. I needed to be like, right, okay, where where are these? And because my eyesight wasn't great, I was just like, right, okay, I'm going to have to scan for these sort of these uh, poles to help me get up. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, from the toilet. And I was like, my God, like, and that's the thing. It's like, I was just, I, I would, the number of times that I was like, right, okay, I'm going to go to the shower. And so, say, my mum or the nurse would be like, oh, we just got a couple of minutes. We will, we'll be there in a minute. And I'd be like, God, screw this. I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> and I'd, I'd get there and I'd be like, my God, I have, I can't move now. <laughs> Where am I going to go? Uh, I can't turn on the tap. I can't do anything. Like, yeah, so I needed help. So it's 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 almost like I was trying to be my old self. Being yes. like, right, if I if I pretend well enough, I'll be fine. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work though, does it? The pretense no. that you're, yeah, you're, you've got all, all your limbs working, uh, as opposed mm. to the re the ghastly reality. Yes, that soon catches you up. Yeah, and I remember also in hospital, um, you might have had this as well. With they, they, they stuff a pill pillow under your arm because apparently, yeah. um, when your muscles, when your brain doesn't tell your muscles to tighten up all the time. Um, yeah. your arm will fall out of the socket of your shoulder. Yeah. And and that apparently is really, really painful. Um, yeah. And so they were always coming and saying, you've got to put a pillow under your arm. And I was thinking, I've got a brain damage here. I don't need pillows under my, under my, you know what I mean? This is not, this is not your first consideration here. Pillows under my, <laughs> what are you doing? I'd like to sort out the brain first and we can sort out, yeah. but apparently if you leave it, it doesn't take very long, but your brain, no. your brain is, is using, is sig signaling your muscle to, to, to hold your arm inside the shoulder socket. Yeah, and if the brain stops sending that message, your muscles will gradually not be able to hold it any longer, and it will just yeah. start to fall out. I mean, that's exactly. a really awful thought. Do you ever have that? Yeah. Then, yeah. So I, um, so I like I hated using the pillows um, that they gave me. Like I was like, oh, I just want to just have my arm hanging off the end because I'm like that feels more comfortable i guess yeah um and like it was it was like probably like two weeks after i'd sort of woken up that people were like right you've really got to because you're you're stretching your muscles out and it's not looking good like if you look at if we look at you we can tell which is your holding upside which is your slumped shoulder yes um and so what they ended up doing was they sort of did like a sling um, a, like a, a bandage sling and then when uh, they ordered um, a proper sling which was like to hold up your arm and then to put it like it's got lots of bands on it yes. and it holds it in place but you can't move your right arm but like it's better than nothing right. um, so yeah that really really helped I, I was still using that probably about six months in until oh as much as that like, yeah yeah, yeah. Until I was like, right, I can actually um, I even like. So I would keep it on most of the time. Then it would get hot, and I would be like, my God, I'm absolutely boiling. Um, <laughs> but then I would be like, right, okay, I'm going to do half now with it off, 
and really concentrate on holding my arm up in the right position, really concentrating. But the when when I'm sort of like right, okay, I'm I'm done, or I people see me forgetting or something like that, then I've had to sling back on, and that's like that was probably about six months in, and then I was doing that, and then probably. Uh, uh, eight months to a year that I was like able to slowly get back to not having a sling at all but it took a long time because I had so long without one and refused to use the pillow because it just felt weird I had to tuck my arm in um when I wanted to relax it out so you actually, I, I remember in the hospital, quite a few people had slings and uh, quite a few ha- people had uh, neck braces because the um, the weight of the head, when you're in hospital, your, your head's on the pillow, even when you're yeah. sitting up. So I was, I was kind of not aware that, that my neck mm. muscles were doing the job of holding my head up. It's only when I got home and spent much more time sitting upright without a pillow that I began yeah. to realize that as soon as you got a bit of fatigue and the, and the muscle, the, um, the brain stopped sending signals to my neck muscles, your head started to droop and it weighs an awful lot. So I, I ended up with my head in my left hand because my left, my left arm was, yeah. So I would, I would basically hold my head up with my, by my chin with my palm of my left hand underneath my chin. And, uh, I remember thinking, this, I can't spend the rest of my life trying to hold my own head. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is an utterly ridiculous idea. Yeah. Do you have to wear a boot? Yes. <laughs> a boot on my left leg. The left leg that was wasted away. So, yeah. Oh, oh, right. Oh, my God, Father. Um, I had to get that. I had to still have that when I was home. Um and I remember, you know, the letterbox walk. Um, <laughs> yes. being like, oh my god, that's miles away. That's just like that's like ten miles away. Uh, <laughs> and um, so I remember walking there, walking back, and then it was like it was almost like this, um, something happened. I don't know entirely what, but like my legs started tingling, and it hadn't done anything. I hadn't been able to feel it unless someone really pushed their fingers right in the nerve yes. um, in the bottom of my foot. I wasn't able to feel anything. It was just numb. Um, and it started tingling. My whole left leg started tingling. Wow. And so I took my boot off and I could use, like feel my left leg a bit, like on the floor outside, like concrete, Yes. Um, like in the garden. Um, and I, but I couldn't, do so you know that uh, motion of like moving your ankle up and down to your uh uh shin yes so doing that motion i couldn't do that i could literally i could i could i could almost feel it but i could i literally stayed there and i would sort of move like a little bit um so yeah so that was then like another task i was like brilliant that's another physical task that i can focus on now because my leg is going to get better. My ankle is going to get better, but I've got to work on it. And so every single day I'd be like, do five minutes, probably four times a day on it. Um, and it started to get better and better, but it's still to this day, if I get super tired and I'm walking, I can, I can feel, um, 
be ankle drooping and um, I scuff the floor and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, God, I need to sort of focus. Oh, that drop <laughs> yeah. foot thing. Yes, I know where oh. you can you can basically trip over the white line in the middle of a road. I mean, absolutely. When I remember walking around and not being able to get my foot into in, up onto the carpet from from the lino and that just it was just so much effort so you had to kind of slide you, you kind of pull your foot across it i was thinking this is really bad because because once your your brain runs out of um the ability to send messages to your your limbs there's there's nothing on earth is going to make you be able to lift your foot no. Even, even though you've got all of your muscles, there's nothing that's going to make you. Your brain simply refuses to do it because it's run out of steam. And I and I found that very frustrating that you could just yeah. try and limp along, just dragging your foot. That kind of whole drop foot thing. I used to call yeah. it clumpy foot. And uh, <laughs> and then when I started, when I get a bit later, when I used to get fatigued, my, my I couldn't actually use my foot my right foot yeah. i would just drag it along behind me um but it, it would be in stages so my family would say oh you're starting to get that clumpy foot now because we just noticed you're just kind of starting to drag it yeah. and sure enough within a couple of minutes it had gone completely yeah i don't get so that i don't get that so much now i, I mean uh, last week I, I for the first time i managed to actually get up some, my own stairs putting one foot directly in front of the other whereas for the last three years i've only gone upstairs sideways so left oh, foot okay. first and then you kind of drag the right foot because i couldn't never lift my yeah. leg high enough um so that was yeah. a red letter day that was last wednesday that was well, really yeah. good yeah i know yes um so what for me like so my my left leg it was like the, the thigh was fine um, it was so what I used to do is I'd lift up my sides and my knee I'd lift it right up and sort of like just have my like left foot dangling and then it would be like it was almost like a pony and I was like right so I'm <laughs> clopping around and sort of doing that and that's how I had to learn how, um, how to sort of almost walk and I was like right because I wanted to not trip on anything obviously and but i also wanted to start sort of getting that motion sort of like in my brain um and then also when things got a bit better um they started on me on electro shock therapy in my legs so i put like two sort of like uh, pads on my calves, two on my ankles, um, which were both positive and negative. Right. And I, it would be a machine that I'd have for like uh, 15 minutes a day. Um, and that wow. really, really helped because it sort of like triggered my muscles to be like, yes, you need to remember how to do this. You remember how to do this. Right. Um, and so I couldn't feel it for the first sort of like, three days and then suddenly like on the fourth day i was like um oh my god it's like agony pure agony like so i have to turn down the because you could uh put it really sharp or sort of more subtle and i was putting it on full for the first three days because i was like well i can't feel anything yeah um and on the fourth day i was like oh my god this is just way too painful now and so that was like my foot sort of like and my calves sort of like working and starting to work again wow
the first stages, we don't reckon on the the day-to-day improvements. We don't ever see them. Yeah. Because I found that I, even though I was improving, I was not aware of what I was improving. And therefore, yeah. because I hadn't been logging how bad I was to how, how much I'd improved. And it seems to me yeah. that, that, that tracking your improvements from day one is actually a very good thing to do. Yes, definitely. Like So luckily I have pictures of when I was in hospital because obviously my mum thought I would be, that would be it. So she took lots of photos of me. And then, you know, when I came to, I was like, oh, I didn't really know what was going on, but I would sit up and she would take photos. Um, and then obviously there would be sort of like my dog who would sort of, in my lap and I would I would be able to feel him but not able to see him yes. and stuff like that. So and then there's me the, the picture of me on from the day that I was just about to leave. So super excited. Um and you know lots of luckily as well like um for my personal trainer who I have um I have photos of like physical sort of like okay well you need to tense all your muscles to show them and from the front sides and back um and you know so that's also been really really good to sort of see my progress and see like the small goals and you know but not just physically as well like you know like I would maybe see some friends like every six months they'll be like oh my god your speech has improved so much and to this day they're like oh my god you're talking better you're talking more uh fluently you know you are just so much better than you were and I'm like oh have I or was I and so and then I'm like oh I probably was like I couldn't have said that you know it was like recently like the last couple of days um sort of uh one of my friends was like oh my god um you know, you, you forgot the word that you're trying to find, but then you got it back like three, four seconds afterwards, like just before I could say anything. And the, God, that would have been like you stumped for like 15 seconds yes. when I, uh, in like a year ago. And I was like, oh God, okay, maybe I have improved. Even now I'm improving. Um, so it is really important to be like, first of all, just focus on um okay, post-stroke, 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 compare myself to then, compare myself to the stroke, uh, don't compare yourself to before. And, Absolutely, uh, yes. Lies, way lies madness. Um, and just focus on how you are once you get, when you wake up from the stroke, how are you then? Okay, well, you did this, you can do this, you can do that, you can do that. Oh, now you can do all of those, maybe not perfectly, and maybe they never will, but you can do those. Yes, Yes. I, I suddenly realised that you could go on a path that kind of benchmarked all the problems and therefore yeah. you could address them one by one. So don't try and do massive mar- arm exercises because your 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 muscles don't all recover at the same time. So what I realised was that you can't rush into physical rehabilitation. Yeah. You have to do it little bit by little bit. Um, exactly. Otherwise, if you try and overdo it, you actually do yourself a lot of damage. Yeah. So don't ever do that. <laughs> the big change was in Headway when, you know, I found out that they had a small gym um, in Headway. And so I would go on a Thursday and I would do half an hour on in the gym. And 
I was like, oh my God, there's just equipment and there's stuff to do, things like things that I wanted to do but not been able to. Um, so yeah, so it just it felt like progress. Um, and that's when I found out about the um, Bedford uh, sort of gym uh, thing, is what I call it. Um, I think you. The th- thing covers it, I think, pretty much. <laughs> yes, I. Um, well, I went. I've I've been along to that as well as the Arnie program, which was invented by this guy who had a stroke. Um, and just for people like us, already. Um, yeah. um, so that he understood what you went through to get physical rehabilitation and designed this program around the fact that that muscles don't always come back together the way you think they are. And I remember going off to the first one at a a gym where they had an Arnie um, trained physiotherapist, no, um, a gym, what do they call them? Personal trainer. Yes. And um, she'd been um, trained um, in the, in the Arnie method. And it, and I remember putting a ball, a plastic ball, under my foot. And I was thinking, really? I'm just running, roll, <laughs> pushing my foot backwards and forwards from a seated position, this was. And then yeah. left and right. And I was thinking, really, this is going to make so much difference. Is it really? I don't, I'm not quite sure. But actually, it's actually a very clever system because it actually yeah. starts to wake up your muscles and the brain-muscle connection. And what it's doing is just just um, prompting your brain to say, "Oh yes, your heels, the the your toes, your ankles." Yeah. And what they do is not only that; um, you just don't do the side that's bad. You do yeah. the other side as well. And I thought, well, why do I have to do the other side as well? But apparently, the way the brain works, it acts as a mirror. So. Yeah. If it can see that you're that to do this an exercise on your left side takes this amount, then when you do it on the on the right side, you could see a the difference between the two yeah. in your mind's eye. But your brain is now saying, "Well, this is how it should be." Yes, yes. So exactly. that's like- what we've got to achieve, and it sparks off the brain to start sending signals to muscles that it perhaps forgotten it should have been sending them to. My um, right side has a tendency yes. to, if I've got a weight at the sort of the end, I, it's like I'm flinging it all around. And so I'm like, if I keep staring at it, I can just about, it feels like it's doing more work, which is only, it can only be a good thing. Um, so yeah, so I, yeah, it's, it's that visualization it's, is so important, isn't it? It's to watch yourself, to watch your arm yeah. moving with the weight. It, yeah. your, your brain is going through your is watching it with with your eyes, sending a message yeah. to the brain about how it works, which in turn sends back to the arm again. So you're you're kind yeah. of that hand or the arm brain eye coordination is coming back, <laughs> but you can't do it without actually watching your own arm doing it i know it's a very strange sensation that and the other thing i realized was that um well well, they kind of taught me was that if you didn't um keep doing this you're you're because you're not um so physical on your right side because of the stroke uh, your muscles will start to waste and i didn't realize i thought that it would just stay all the same and then gradually i would get the brain to to start 
picking up all the muscles. But but what happened was that over a period of months and months, because I wasn't using my right arm so much, I was losing the muscle ma mass out of yeah. my arm. So you have to kind of overcompensate to get back up to that muscle mass again. Yeah. Which So it's you have the stroke and then physically you start to deteriorate because you simply yeah. aren't using those muscles. And yeah. the same thing happens with with your leg as well. I, I love yeah. your point that you because you can actually do squats, can you? Yes, I can. Oh, yeah, well, I think I if I did a squat, I would get down. I could probably go down, all right, but I could couldn't get back up again yet. Yeah. Uh, my my I, idea I of a squat is you go down and then you roll forward onto your knees, put your hands on the ground, <laughs> roll over on your side, and come back up again. That's that's my idea of a squat right now. <laughs> so, like, so what I used to do is I used to have a chair which was like a reasonable height. And then I would squat to the chair and stuff like that. So I would start like like that. So I had, just in case I was going to fall over or I couldn't, once I got down, I couldn't get back up, then that would be like, oh, okay, well, I feel okay. But now I can do them without that. Um, and with a, fa a really fairly heavy weight uh, involved as well. So, you know, it's, it's but it's taken a while. What can we say is it's taken over two and a half years. <laughs> what? Yes. It but does yes. take a very, very, very long time to do it. And yeah. I think the idea of having a kind of tailored approach that can only be you, I think, yeah. is the only way forward. And I think you have to have, I hate to say it, but you, you've got to have your own kind of personal trainer involved in, in some way. Yeah. Uh, I don't think yeah. it's possible. In the fog of my brain from day one, I don't think I would have got out of all of this in the way that I have without having somebody around who could say, let's concentrate on this bit of the hand, let's concentrate on this bit of the leg, um, and, and to get around the pitfalls. Got a personal trainer who I knew uh, from my life before the stroke and so I explained to her what exactly I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve and that maybe I was not going to be as great with one side um and you know she went back she was she she went um she went back and had a look and was like right okay got your program let's just see one session that see how you go and she was really impressed she was like oh my god you're you're actually physically fitter than i thought in my head that you could have been at this stage i think the motivation for me came from the fact that little wins physically had yeah. a huge effect mentally i think um the fact that i was slowly but surely making an improvement so i could lift my leg a little bit more and when i went to these arnie program things and with my personal trainer as well between them i yeah. was they would give me a program and i would go if i can get that done i can lift my arm three inches more than i did before i yeah. think those little wins um and having somebody outside of my own family and friends yeah. and everybody else who could say well this is where you were 
three weeks ago, and this is where you are now, and they can literally, you know, measure it. They will literally measure it from the ground to, the, to where I could lift my, my fingers to. And then say, yeah. well, last week it was only three feet. Now this week it's three foot six. And yeah. um, those, but you needed someone to just concentrate on that for you. And then they say, yeah. well, it's improving. And then that was a huge yeah. release in my brain um, to think, oh, well, actually this is, I'm, I'm, I'm gradually working out my way out of this situation. When I was in hospital, I was I, when I was in hospital. I was told that um, the first six months was where all the improvements would take place, and I was desperate to get this first six months up and running and and you know really working hard. And I got very frustrated when things weren't happening for me because I think I've only got six months. At the end of the six months, the government made a um, an announcement. Out of the blue, not for my benefit, but just for the world's benefit, that yeah. the, the whole six-month rule was a load of bunkum. That actually, you <laughs> the people with strokes would improve all the time, forever. Yeah. And and yeah. I thought, well, I'm glad they told me that now because <laughs> I was, <laughs> I've been panicking about this for six yeah. months because things weren't getting organised and stuff like that, and I was getting very Ooh. frustrated by that. But then what I have found is that that continual exercise um even if it's yeah. only a small amount that you will gradually wake up the the the, the, the muscles in your, your entire body and what i yeah. do find is that i get this kind of slight tremoring effect in my in my arm or my leg or my thigh yeah. and that is a signal that a, a muscle has actually woken up and that my brain's now okay. connecting with it and yeah. and uh, the, uh, the, the first time it happened, I got very scared and I thought, oh, my God, is something happening to me? You know, am I losing something here? But yeah. actually, it was a, a complete opposite. I wasn't losing. I was gaining. Yeah. And that little yeah. tremor is now a little signal. So I'm always trying to think, oh, when, where is it going to happen next? You know, yeah. is my shoulder going to suddenly wake up finally? Oh, I can suddenly do something that I couldn't before. Like, it's like so I remember... Probably, it was probably about eight months in, I was uh, in the passenger seat of the car, um, and I was suddenly like, oh, I can see a little bit more, I'm sure. Um, like, And it was like dusk, and I was like, "That's norm that was normally like sort of like worst time for my eyesight, because it couldn't, it didn't know what to adjust. And I was like, oh, suddenly, I, I, I'm sure I can see that sort of like license plate, not the actual license plate number and stuff like that. But I'm sure I can see the license plate, whereas before I couldn't have seen it at all. And I'm like, and it's just those sort of like moments where you're like, oh, I, you wake up or you're just sort of like doing something and you're like, oh, oh God, um, I, how have I managed to physically do that? Yes. I don't know. I couldn't have done it like last week, but yeah, maybe something must have must have come alive again. So yeah, that, it's, it's yes. both scary, but also so rewarding when it happens <laughs> and, and also hopeful because i yeah. think oh well if there's a slight improvement physically here then maybe Ooh. in six weeks time six months time something else will improve and so yeah. my walking might improve or my i'll be able to hold my head up properly you know, because my neck muscles won't run out so quickly yeah. and i think that, that those little wins are so important yeah. for your mental state i think oh, right, yeah. of, of that futurology of thinking well it's not it's not going to be last forever 
Not that I'm ever going to go back to what I was, but I'm certainly right. going to be better than I am now. Yeah, definitely. A very common side effect of stroke is something called shoulder subluxation. This happens when the brain signals holding our arm in its shoulder socket runs out. The weight of the arm causes it to drop out of its socket. It's incredibly painful. So whether you're in hospital or at home, stick with the support cushions and arm slings until your brain can maintain its signals to your shoulder. Headway, the charity that supports stroke and brain injury survivors, is located all over the country. Some of them have mini gyms and also in-house physiotherapists who can guide your physical recovery. You can find your local Headway via their website, headway.org.uk. The Arnie Institute is a charity created by Dr. Tom Balchin following his own brain hemorrhage, which left him paralyzed down one side. He went on to design the super effective Arnie program. Arnie stands for Action for Rehabilitation from Neurological Injury. You can find it online at arnie.uk.com. That's A-R-N-I. .uk.com. The Institute also trains Arnie instructors and will match you with your local instructor. To find one, just call their central phone number, which is on the Contact Us page of their website. And many local councils in the UK fund Arnie programs. Before we go, we'd like to thank the people who ranked What Memory as five stars on the Apple Podcast platform. We really appreciate that. And if you five starred us, we'd like to know who you are. Email us on whatmemory2 at hotmail.com. That's W-H-A-T-M-E-M-O-R-Y, followed by the numeral 2 at hotmail.com. And check us out on Instagram at what underscore memory 2. What Memory is our personal podcast. Any views expressed are purely our own, or the personal views of our guests. We are not expressing the views of any organization or business. Many thanks to our amazing sound editor, Jamie Rutherford, professional sound producer and fellow brain injury survivor. Okay, we're done. The only thing we know for sure after brain injury is that the future is unknown and daunting, but it's only going to be brighter if we plan for it to be that way. Bye for now.